But, oh, when there's a but in the Bible, you listen close. But, forget all that. What? It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Forget it all. Do you not see that I am about to do something new? Oh. See, in our lives, God reminds us again and again and again of who He is. Again and again and again, our situations come up in life, and we're wondering, what is going on, God? He says, look at me. Look at me. Look what's happening. Don't look at the stuff that's going on. Look at me. You see, when I counted in those several verses, I counted in the NLT the number of times the word I, and God is speaking of himself in that, I counted 16 times. So when God wants us to look at him, he's serious about that. See, when God, when change is happening around us, we need to be looking at him. How many of you can say that you've been called out of death and into life? How many of you can say that you've been called out of pain and into health? How many of you can say that you've come out of sorrow and into hope? That's because of God and his mighty work in your life. Do you remember that, God? Do you remember what he's done in your life? And he's continuing to do it even more so. He's doing something new in you and in me. See, for some of us, it's been so long since we've experienced that new life, that new creation, that we take for granted where he's brought us. We take it for granted. Do you realize the priceless gift that God has given every single one of you here today? Do you recognize that amazing God who has chosen to allow the air that you are sucking into your lungs to be converted and taken the oxygen out? It's pulled out of the air into your body, allowing your body to live and move and have its being. That is a crazy, awesome miracle that God has allowed every one of us here to experience, and we take it for granted. I do all the time. The fact that you can see me right now is simply amazing. It's amazing because we're taking light in through these eyeballs of ours. It's flipping the image around on the back of our eyes, and then our brain converts it right side up. It makes no sense why we should be able to see each other, much less catch a ball in the air. Isn't that amazing how God has done that for us? It's absolutely amazing. Do you understand the power and might of this God? Oh, God, how we love you. How amazing you are. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you. 
God asks you and I today, do you remember? Do you remember when? Do you remember when you used to be against me, but now you're for me? Do you remember how I've heard you cry for help and I showed up? Do you remember? Do you remember? Now, with that in mind, we look at the changes coming into our lives. We look at the new that is happening to us without our choice. God reminds us he's doing something new, something brand new. Do you not see it? Do you not understand it? You see, the new that God is doing is going to be in you. See, he's in the process of changing you. And he allows these new things to bump up against your old shoes that you might grow and change. You see, what's happening is God is making you into a 2.0 version of you. Right? He's updating your system. Right? He's taking the old version and making a new one. Your apps inside are updating as we speak. That's tech talk for the kids in the room here. He's updating us. See, God is changing the things around you and I so that our lives might look more like Jesus. I ask a question, is God sovereign? You can act. You can act. Yeah. yeah. Is God sovereign? Is God in control? Yeah. If that's the case, and if that's true, then changes around you that are affecting you are for you. If the changes are happening around you, they are for you. He asks, can you see it? So with all this, uh, I pulled out three God-honoring responses on ways to handle the new that bumps up against you. Three God-honoring responses. If you're one to like writing notes, I encourage you to write these down. Three God-honoring ways to handle change. So what I want you to do is, before we get on to this first point, there's only three of them, I want you to take your left hand, Hold it out in front of you. Everybody should be able to do this. I want you to pull those first four fingers in so you have a thumbs up. Okay, It's just like Facebook, right? Thumbs up. Okay, so then what we're going to do is we're going to take that and really bother your neighbor to your left, and we're going to go to your left just like this. Okay, And give like the, the guns, the thumb guns. Hey, hey, yeah, okay, good. So what this is, this is celebrate the past. This is celebrating the past. This is what point number one is. We're celebrating that you can put your thumb down. Unless you like it up. I like it up. It's all good. You're celebrating the past. Now, I understand that this church is going through some changes. And I understand that most of you probably had nothing to do with those changes that are happening. What do you do? What do you do? 
Well, what we do is we celebrate the past. We give the thumbs up to what's happened in the past. I know that there's some program changes here. Emmanuel's looking for a new children's director. We can be all snarled up, frustrated, suck our thumb, and decide, man, this is not worth it. This is so bad. I can't believe it. Whatever. I can't. I don't know what it's like. Maybe everybody's like, woohoo! It's a new thing. But what we can do, every one of us can do, is put our thumbs up to the past and say, way to go what happened back there. There were kids that were reached in amazing ways because we allowed that to happen in the past. There was something new that happened then, and now we're giving a thumbs up because that was an incredible thing. People were reached for Jesus, and we can celebrate that. Maybe it's not just a program thing. Maybe it's an event that used to happen that doesn't happen, or used to be a certain way and isn't the certain way anymore. Almost 19 years ago, October 23rd of 1999, my wife and I got married. We weren't just married, but we were married in this facility. But it wasn't in here. It was in the old sanctuary. So my wife was perusing on Facebook, and she saw some changes happening, which we heard about, I heard about today. Changes were happening in the sanctuary, the old sanctuary over there. She said she got a little choked up because an event happened in that place that meant a lot to us. And that event place is changing. We, didn't, we weren't asked if it should change. We weren't asked, but it's happening. What do we do with an event that's changing without our permission? Celebrate it. Thank you, Lord, for what's happened. Thank you that we are an effective ministry couple, that we can, we can effectively do our work because of the ministry that happened here. They allowed it to happen. Thank you, Lord, for the event that's happened in the past. Maybe it's people. Maybe you think of the different people that are here and haven't been here or gone or coming back, or you think of the people that are just kind of shuffling around, and you get frustrated. Lord, I don't like how this change is happening. I didn't ask for it. What do you do? What would happen if we started celebrating the fact that God did something? He's done something in me because those people that were here that aren't here did something in my life, and now he's changing me to become more like him, even though I don't have that relationship. What if we celebrated what has happened? Maybe it's a ministry. Some people get really bitter over changes of ministry. That's not what I asked for. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I expected. That's not, that's not what we did it in the past. You see, it's important to celebrate the good that has happened in the past in order to move forward. Maybe it's time, if you're finding yourself stuck in a rut of bitterness... Maybe it's time to celebrate what's happened in the past. Point one. Point two. Honoring God through change. Again, take your hands, if you can, hold them out. And then I want you to slowly open your hands. Point two. Hold loosely to tradition. Hold loosely to tradition. Celebrate the past, hold loosely to tradition. Now, I recognize that this might, uh, I may not be asked back here because tradition is very heavy in churches, okay? But I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's something that we all need to learn. A lot of churches get themselves into trouble because uh, here's what happens. Something good happens at one point in your life and the lives of the people in the church. 
and that good thing happens, everybody's excited, it becomes something that is rationalized. Hey, this is, we didn't have this, we now have it, and we rationalize, this is a good thing, we're going to keep it going. Fantastic. That's a great thing. Okay? But what happens then is usually it happens like a style of something or an experience of some sort. I like that certain style of music. Because I like that style, we're going to continue it on and on and on. Maybe it's the way that you do communion. And the way that you do communion is always the same because that's how we've always done it. Okay? Maybe it's the style of preaching. Well, this is the style of preaching we want because that's the way we've always done it. All right? So we have gone from uh, this idea of rationalizing the thing. Then we normalize it. Well, not only have we done it and it worked well, we're going to continue that thing into the future. And it's going to keep going and keep going. And it works really well for a good time. Pretty soon you can sense that, oh, there's this tapering. It's not as effective as it used to be. Something's going on. Well, a lot of times what we want to do, because we've normalized, rationalized it and now normalized it, we want to put new fire into that same thing that was happening. We don't want the new to come because it's scary. And now what we're saying is it went so well, not only we normalize it and spirit, or, uh, rationalize it, we spiritualize it and say, if we don't do it that way, God is not going to bless us. And not only that, but everybody else ought to do it the way we do it because it works. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's a translation of the Bible, and because I'm bringing the NLT, it's like, oh man, this guy doesn't know anything. Right? It's, there's traditions that we hold on to that we need to begin to loosen because the tradition can prevent us from seeing what's coming. We normalize a tradition. We spiritualize it. Do you realize that the spiritual tradition that you hold on to now was at one point a new thing then? And the rub that you're feeling right now was the rub that others have felt before you came in with that new thing? And that they, were, they had a choice to make with that new thing. Either accept it or fight it. Because they've accepted it, you're loving what God has done. They decided to hold loosely to tradition. What are we going to do today? See, if we hold too tightly to tradition, we lose the expectation for the sake of the tradition. If we hold too tightly to the tradition, we lose the expectation for the sake of that tradition. You're no longer looking for what's coming. You're holding on to what was. Sometimes we miss what God is doing because we are so focused on what God has done. So first thing, we celebrate the past. Way to go. Excellent. Thank you, Lord. We hold loosely to tradition. Point two. Point three, you guys, are, you, are your muscles ready for this? It's going to be a really tough one. Why don't you take your right hand, make a fist, and extend it to your right. We are going to embrace the future. Embrace the future. We're going to thumbs up to the past, hold loosely to tradition, and we're going to embrace the future. Look at what God is doing. So I ask, what does new look like here at Emmanuel? Does it mean new programs? Does it mean new events? Maybe it means new people, new ministries. 
You see, Emmanuel is nothing without the people. This church is just a building without you. This facility could be filled with used cars. And it would just be a used car place. But because you, as a group, meet here in this place, you are the church. You are the church. You are Emmanuel. And if God is calling Emmanuel to something new, then he's calling you to something new. Hmm. What might it mean to embrace the future if now you are the change that is about to happen? What does it mean? I think embracing the future, since it has to do with you and it has to do with me, there's four ways that that happens. First of all, it's seeking and abiding in Christ. I'm discovering more and more how my identity was so wrapped into how I do for Jesus that I wasn't being with Jesus. I was so focused on my identity being a pastor of a church that I think God wanted to rock my world and say, I just love you and I want you to love me. I think embracing the future of what God has is for every one of us to take some time and just abide to be with Jesus. Maybe it means for you, you already get up late and it's tough to get doing anything else. I get that. But maybe it means just setting your alarm for 10 minutes earlier. 10 minutes earlier in the day. And you get up and you just take 10 minutes to read as much as you can in the book of John. You're just, just reading to abide with Jesus. Just to, Lord, speak to me through your word. 10 minutes. What if that change in you then changes Emmanuel? Because you are changing, and if you are the church, the church is changing. Abiding with Jesus. Maybe it means giving. This is where a guest preacher can really, uh, <laughs> can really say the tough stuff. Because it's really hard for a preacher of a church to say, oh, you need to give. Okay? If you don't like me talking about giving, I understand that. But I want you to know that if you don't like me talking about it, you won't like Jesus talking about it. All right. And Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he's on the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very big sermon that he gives. And one of the things that he says, he says, when you give, I don't know if you caught that. Usually we go right into the application. When I give, what does that look like? And then I give parameters. Okay, well, my life doesn't look like that, so I don't have to give that much, or I don't have to give that way, or I can do it this way, or I can do it that way. We don't get into the fact that Jesus says, when you give. Maybe your giving has been, oh man, i got a 20 in my wallet, I'll give that today and I'll make it look like I'm doing good, right? God doesn't need your money. Be like this. Um, what would you think if this was a real phone call? I get a call, here it's Bill Gates. Bill Gates, you know, the, he's, he's a, one of the most richest men in the world, right? And he calls me up, he says, Jesse, you know, I just got to tell you something that I really need your help with something. I'm like, yeah, what's up, Bill? He says, Jesse, I really, I really need you to do what you can here. I need you to write this address down. I need you to send me your thumb drive because I'm all out of storage. Okay. Bill, Bill, come on, Bill. You don't need I really need it because I need yours. 
Because if I didn't have yours, I'm sunk. I'm going under. Okay, you chuckle because it seems silly, right? Bill Gates, the guy that's built computers forever, I mean for the world, is asking me for my thumb drive. It's silly. It's like God saying, I need your money. It's silly. It's silly. Because he doesn't need your money. He knows something about you. He knows something about me. He knows that my heart is connected right to my wallet. And he knows that it's really hard for me when I give because I don't want to. I promise that I could probably tell you the thing you mostly love most by looking at your checkbook or your credit card statement. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he knows that if you give out of the generosity of your heart, you'll give freely. He wants to affect good in your life. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. So maybe that means tomorrow you make the decision, rather than just giving a little bit of cash I have in my wallet, if I have cash in my wallet, I'm actually going to take a set aside. I'm going to determine how much I'm going to give because I want to please the Lord. What if you made that statement tomorrow, and then next week you started it? It's going to hurt. It's going to be tough. But God doesn't call us to easy. He calls us to being faithful. Maybe we determine what we're going to give, because Jesus does say when we give. There's an expectation. Maybe it's serving. You heard there's, there's always opportunities to serve in a church. I've been a lead pastor just begging, oh, Lord, if I could get somebody that would be willing to jump in. You see, if you're currently doing nothing in the church, doing nothing to serve as Jesus calls us to serve, maybe change in you is deciding to serve. Because when you decide to serve and the change is happening in you, it's going to affect the rest of the church. I don't know a pastor that would say, eh, we really don't need any volunteers. We're good. We're good. We actually have way too many. So we're going to really filter through and make sure people don't start serving. Pastor Dave, would you be okay if somebody came up to you and says, where can I serve? Fantastic. Good. Last thing when it comes to embracing the future, because you are the church. God wants to change you. The best way to do that is through prayer. Of course, prayer. Pastor's always going to talk about prayer. Prayer's not easy for me. It just isn't. I'd rather think and plan. I'd rather dissect the Word of God. I'd rather do all that stuff. Prayer isn't real easy for me. But I know that if I want to abide in Jesus, I've got to take time and communicate back and forth. Maybe your change in you is seeking the heart of God and allowing Him to direct your steps instead of you directing your own. Maybe it's time to do it God's way instead of your way. Because, friends, we're going to get bumped up against with new, with brand new. We're going to get bumped up against change because new requires change question is, what are we going to do with it? As much as we hate change, it must happen in us in order to, for it to happen through us. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? 
friends, God is making you brand new. Let's pray. Lord, when I think of the new, I think of tough. I don't want to go through tough, but I certainly don't want to go through tough without you. So if my brand new in me requires tough, I ask that you help me to become more like you so that when new bumps up against me, I'll handle it well. Help me, Lord, that when I see things in the past that are just were awesome and I feel myself getting bitter for what happened, help me, Lord, to give my thumbs up and say, Lord, thank you for what has happened. Thank you for the transformation you've made in me, even in that new tough stuff. And Lord, when, when something is continuing in my life that feels very traditional, I just do it because it's what I do, help me, Lord, to release the tradition the way it's done, so that I may have the heart again of what is done. And Lord, help me again to embrace the future. The new might be bumping up against us right now. The new might be what's yet to come. But Lord, new is coming, and help us to embrace what you have, because we want to be ready. We want to be excited for the new in us, and then through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to celebrate communion together today. Um, the oldest uh, parts of the New Testament uh, aren't Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The oldest parts of the New Testament are Paul's letters. He wrote some of them back in the 50s. And uh, speaking of tradition today, uh, this is one tradition that we do here at Emmanuel that the church has been doing for, well, about 2,000 years. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, the Lord's Supper. And he wrote this back in maybe 55. People debate when he wrote these things. But in Paul's letters, we get the first glimpse of what the church was up to as a body of believers. Uh, And this was one of them. And of course, they did it a little differently than we do it today. For them, it was a meal. Like Paul complains that some people are gorging themselves on food and some people are drinking so much wine. They're now in an altered state of consciousness. And we we don't do it that way. In fact, we've got Welch's here today. Um, But it was a meal, and we don't do it that way. But we do a symbolic meal where we remember what Christ did for us, what God did through Christ on the cross. And so it's a time of remembrance. Um, We have a merciful and a gracious God. Uh, God's mercy and God's justice were perfectly fulfilled in that moment on the cross where the, the sin was paid for and that mercy is offered to us. And so we remember that sacrifice uh, once a month here at Emmanuel uh, through communion. Uh, Of course, this is uh, a meal that's offered to all believers, right? Uh, If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then we would like for you to partake of this. If you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, we would ask that you not partake of this, but come 
speak with someone in our church, and maybe that's something you'd be interested in doing, is, is beginning a walk with the Lord. Um, so if we could, let's have our um, those who are serving come forward. And uh, we have special music with us here today. And just for full full disclosure, I've never done this before. So we'll just you're a gracious and loving church, so we'll just see how this goes. But uh, let me say a prayer for the bread, and then we'll distribute the elements. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your Son. We thank you so much for his uh, the, the gift of life that he brings us through his sacrifice. We're able to be reconciled to you that we might find joy and peace and contentment and new life, that we have strength to go through the struggles of life. We thank you for that.
For I received from the Lord which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat.
In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ, for the broken body, for the blood which covers our sins. Lord, we thank you for the new life 